What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Starting Point Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Kilcourse. And you know, guys, I'm really excited for today's guest. But before I introduce the guest, um, I want to give a quick shout out to the guest I had in the last episode, Brad Verdeer. Um, Very fun episode to do. Got a lot of good feedback from you guys. But the reason I'm shouting him out is because he was the first episode to reach 100 listens. So I owe that all to him and I owe that all to my listeners, guys. So thank you very much. And we're only up from here. So today's guest, his name is Anthony San Rocco, um, another good friend of mine. Haven't known him as long as my other guest. Uh, we probably met sometime, uh, I don't know, maybe around when I was like 15 um, through ball hockey, which is kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, you know, we probably knew each other, seen each other play, and then we really got to know each other when we finally started playing together in, uh, in men's leagues. And what we're going to be getting into today is, like I mentioned, we both played ball hockey, which we will explain what that is in a little bit, but what we're really going to talk about is how he created um, one league and then led into another league, which is really what we're going to get into. So before we uh, before we introduce him into the podcast, as always, guys, give the podcast a follow on Instagram at Starting Point Podcast. This is where you guys will be able to find updates on new episodes. And um, like I said, you guys can always message me with any feedback you have. And as always, every episode, including this one, will be available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and uh, wherever else you guys get your podcast. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome in Anthony to the podcast. What's going on, Chris? Thanks for having me on here. Of course. Thanks for hopping on. And uh, before we get into things, uh, I know you've been on some other podcasts in the past. Uh, I know you've also been on the NHL Network, so this should be a walk in the, walk in the park for you. <laughs> I wasn't on NHL Network. We just got a little tour of the, the place. Uh, that's, that's the goal. Hopefully, we can get on there someday, but I haven't been on there quite yet. Absolutely. Well, Nonetheless, way bigger platform, so this should be easy for you. And like I mentioned in the intro, uh, before we really get into it, if you just want to give a brief um, background of what ball hockey is, just for the listeners that may not know exactly what it is. The, the easiest way to define ball hockey is it's basically ice hockey without skates. We run around, we're wearing running shoes, I wear basketball shoes, it's played on a surface called deck, and it has... You know, the rules are a little different from ice hockey, like you can't fight. Uh, the offside is different. But basically what it comes down to is if <clears throat> it's as if you're watching an ice hockey game, but there's no skates. Everyone's just running around. Um, ha- have you ever <clears throat> played ice hockey? When I was like I was 12 years old, I guess, I played a year of ice hockey. But I was never good at skating, so I, I yeah. gave it up. Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely the hardest part. I played ice hockey myself, but... I honestly, I kind of enjoyed ball hockey better. Just, I don't know what it was. I mean, one, being better obviously always helps, but something about it, man. It's just a fast game. Yeah, it was just fun. It was it was different. And, you know, I think growing up when you, you know, I played baseball, I played soccer, I played right. basketball for a little. Like, you play all these other sports growing up, you kind of gravitate to the sport that you find yourself to be the best at. And Playing ball hockey is always making the tournament teams and traveling and playing all like the best players that you could really find around. So, you know, you get that gratification of being good at a sport and you kind of, you know, it becomes your number one. Yeah, absolutely. I talked about this in my previous episodes too. Like I started playing baseball, I guess, probably just like every other kid did. And the second I stepped on a ball hockey rink, it was no more baseball, all hockey from there on out. Yeah, I mean, I started playing when I was five years old, and I I gave it up when I was in college for a year just because I had to focus. But besides right. that, it's been it's been a fixture of my life every year since I was five years old. 
So you started playing when you were five, did you, and you started at Marlton or somewhere else? Yeah, Marlton. Marlton's little, they called it, I think they're trying to call it U7 now, but back then it was called the Chipmunk Division. You know, five and six years old. And right. when I was five, I was on the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, um, so you played your whole life, you know, tournament teams and traveling and all that? Yeah, I, I made my first travel team. So when you get up, so the Chipmunk Division is five and six years old. You don't compete that's just kind of like you're just messing around there's really no rules it's just you're just young kids really you get more competitive now actually i see they have chipmunk tournament teams but you move up to the penguin division that's seven to nine years old and i made my first tournament team when i was eight years old i got put on the marlton b team and i think that's when i really started to uh embrace ball hockey more than i ever had before we actually we called it street hockey back then it's right yeah but yeah, I mean, I, that was my first tournament team I made on. I'm, I played on, and from the time I was eight to, I guess really, in, I've pretty much always been on one since I was eight years old. Every year that I played on an in-town team or played travel, I've, you know, it's I guess once after you turn fifteen, it's all tournament teams essentially. It's freshmen, right. it's Some in-town leagues, but they're they're smaller, so. You know, I made a, I made, I played for the Chiefs. I played for the Marlton Deer. I played for Jersey Fresh. I played for the Sloss, and now I'm playing on the Garden State Warriors. Right, and yeah, that's actually you mentioned the Marlton Deer. That's really what I wanted to get into. So, you know, like you guys have already heard, you know, he covered a lot of it when you're younger. You play in town, then you make a tournament team, and then right after 15, like you said, it's it's all tournament teams from there on out. And the Marlton Deer was actually created by you, right? Yeah, so basically what happened was my first two years of the freshman division, which is 16 to 19, I played for our Marlton Chiefs team. And back then, I didn't know there was men's ball hockey. I didn't know there was anywhere I could go with it. I thought I was playing my last four years of street hockey. Right. And the first two years, I didn't have fun. The group of guys, I'm friends with some of them. Some of them I wasn't, but... You know, they were going out there and there was always conflict. There was always, you know, fights and whatnot. And I was yeah. like, I don't I don't have time for this. I just want to grab my buddies together and let's just, like, go out there and just have fun. So, at you know, I was 17 turning 18. Me and one of my buddies, Joe McKenna, came up with the idea. And I kind of ran with it and gathered a couple of the guys that played Marlton Street Hockey their whole lives. And then a group of my friends who really had never played ball hockey they played roller played ice but never really played or some, some actually had never even played at all and we put the marlton deer together and the idea was we were gonna get these bright neon yellow jerseys we were gonna bring like our, my one buddy rick played the saxophones we were gonna bring him on the bench you know we had a blow up uh deer costumes we had a mascot we played the national anthem before games and we just honestly we, we just wanted to have fun with it. And my, my, my favorite story, I think, well, not one of my favorite. I, we, I have so many stories. I could go on about the deer for forever. But one thing that we did one year was it was my first year I aged out of freshman. So I was 20, but I was still running the team. And we had a game in Marlton, and we'd have a pretty decent crowd at our games. We'd have uh, – the, the, the boards would always be packed with people. And yeah, we, I, I remember that. Yeah, it was it – was, honestly, it was incredible. And we – decided this one game we were going to have a little kid come to the center of the rink and take a penalty shot. We were going to let him score a goal, and we are going to give him the shirt. 
And my buddy Mike Hackman was in that. Mike's, you know, one of my best friends to this day. Yeah. And we're like, we're like, Mike, whatever you do, just just let this kid score a goal. He has to score a goal. And we're <laughs> like, okay. So we, we picked this kid. He's probably like five or six years old. And he was a short, like stubby little kid. And we give him the ball at the red line. And the ring's pretty big. So it was a pretty long trek for her, him to get down to the goal. Right. And he gets down to like the middle of the circles. And he takes a shot. And Mike tried to dive out of the way. But instead, he dove like perfectly in the path of the ball, and made this like incredible sprawling save on this like five-year-old kid. That's funny. And we were just like, "Oh my god, no way!" And it was like dead silent for a second, and then we went nuts, and then we gave the kid a shirt anyway. But it was like we just, you know, we just did stuff like that where we just messed yeah. around and had fun. Like we didn't feel like talking in between periods. We're like, "Let's give a kid a t-shirt and then just go back out and play again." So that's what we yeah, did. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Know. I remember watching your games. I think that's probably when I like first learned who you were. And I don't remember, you know, even how good you guys were, but you're you're spot on with the crowds. I, there was always a bunch of people there, like you said, the guy in the the guy in the bench with the saxophone, like the Marlton Deer. Whether it was for talent or not, I don't even know what it was, but you guys definitely did not go unnoticed. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was for. T- I think we won. We've won two B tournaments, and the team ran for seven years, so we never really won that much. But we we. You know, I think I can speak for pretty much everyone on the team to say that we had a ton of ton of great times playing on those teams throughout the years. Absolutely. I mean, even from a fan's perspective, like, like I said, those games are always fun to watch, no matter if you guys are winning or losing. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, that's what, that was the goal. That was always the goal. Yeah, so uh, so like we just talked about, you started up a team, and now what you know what this podcast is about, your league. So we'll get into your first league, which is the EBHL. Did, did you – Coming up with a team, is that kind of what led you into starting up a league of your own? I think indirectly it did. I think I kind of realized that I was capable of doing something like that. And I just had so much fun with it. I'm like, I want to, you know, do more with ball hockey. I want to grow it more. And it all it all started one day. It was myself, Pat Janice, and TJ Janice. Pat's not with Pat helps out a little bit now, but he's not as involved as he used to be. And TJ Janice, mm-hmm. who helps run the EBHL and the NBHL with me, we were hanging out at our little local rink in Marlton and Kings Grant. It's a uh, you know, this concrete rink. It's real small, and we were just like, why don't we create some type of hockey rink? So, or hockey league, and we got in touch with our community, like the Kings Grant board, and um, we got on the phone with Scott Tarzi, who was the commissioner of Marlton Street Hockey at the time, and. It's pretty much like, you know, how, how can we make this happen? And we had to like file as an LLC with the state, get some insurance, get approval from King's Grant. And within like probably two weeks, we had a hundred people, 10 teams and a schedule and a season ready to go. And it just kind of happened real quickly. Wow. And, so uh, and you got all that done in two weeks span? It was, if it wasn't two weeks, it was maybe a week longer than that. We, we got it together really quick. The idea came together in, in June, and we started our season like the first week of July. That's impressive. I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize it came on that quick. How did you, you guys get the word out to like form all those teams so quick? We just, you know, just through the years of just playing the sport, like I, I've been playing my whole life, obviously. TJ's been playing for a while. Pat hasn't, Pat's been on and off playing, but we all knew people, and you know, you just put the word out and said, hey, we're doing a little four-on-four league. If anyone wants to come, it's going to be fun. And we're just, you know, we're going to keep track of stats and kind of make you try to make it as legitimate as possible because, we, you know, there's a lot of men's leagues around at the time, but they didn't – I was always frustrated with the lack of 
like standings updates and scheduling updates mm-hmm. and statistics. So I was like, let's just do it the right way and just keep track of this stuff. And everyone seemed to embrace the idea and it was pretty, pretty quickly. We got everyone in. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. Like you said, there's other men's leagues and you do go to play for fun, but I mean, I think you're lying to yourself if you don't want to know who has the most goals, the most assists and uh, like, you know, everyone's record. So I, I think you guys definitely hit it spot on with that. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's interesting. I I'm a, I love stats. Like, I go on NHL.com hockey database a couple times a day, and I'm always looking up players and stuff just because of curiosity. So, you know, even now, like, I love that I can go on our EBHL website and look up any player's stats from any year from 2015 on. It's just cool to have access to that. And are it, you it, guys the one that, that run the back end of everything too, like the website and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, me, Gianni, my brother Gianni, um, he runs the league with me and TJ now, so it's the three of us. And yeah, we do the website, we do all the editing, we do we do all the behind the scenes stuff. And did you when you guys first formed the league as commissioners, you, TJ and Pat, did, were you guys on teams or were you guys solely just running the league? We all had our own team. So yeah, okay. we we my team was called the Mallards, TJ ran the Creek Kings. And Pat's team was called Al HC, and those were there. We had ten teams that first year. That was three of them, and none of us won. And I think my my team went to the finals the first year. A team called Team USA, mm-hmm. run by a guy named Matt Dats. They won the first two years of the EBHL. And did you guys do like um, like you just formed your own team, or do you guys get a pool of players and do a draft? Or it was it was just form your own team. We we found we, you know, we asked around if people wanted to do a draft and. The majority of the guys were like, you know, we're, we're adults now. We just want to play with our buddies. So we're like, yeah, you know what? Right. Enter teams with your friends, you know, and we'll hopefully the playing field stays even. And it did. It, it, it did. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, I, I don't know. I never got around to playing the league, but I was I was at some games, and it definitely looked like a, a cool league. And like you said, all the buddies playing with each other, it looked like everyone honestly enjoyed it a lot, more than these other men's leagues that are around. Yeah, the one thing that we always stuck with is we made sure we only did one season per year, and I think the exclusivity of that made it a little more competitive because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we have we have one chance to win this. We know we're playing the same teams from the year before, and it kind of gave the league a little bit of history. And yeah, you know, I, I still talk to people about games in that league from five years ago that we remember and stuff. So it's it's unlike most leagues that I played in where, you know, the competition turned over from year to year as opposed to you just being like oh who are these guys i don't know who i'm even playing right now that's one thing i actually never thought of. I, didn't, I didn't realize you know you guys only did it once a year which you like you said the ex- exclusivity is really cool because you know if you lost if you came in third place the year before well you know who the two teams in front of you are to beat so it always keeps it really competitive yeah i remember the first two years team usa won and everyone was just like out to get them like everyone just really wanted to beat them and they went down in the semis and overtime versus the Raw Dogs, who are actually now competing in the NBHL. It's an absurd name, I know. And <laughs> they um they were the first team to knock them off in the playoffs. And I remember everyone was, you know, pretty just like shocked that it finally happened. Cause that team right. was eight, they had a goalie in that named Dan Navera, who was just he would he would steal games for them game week after week. He was he was amazing. Absolutely. And uh, in the beginning, well, at least in the beginning, did you guys have any hiccups, you know, like when creating a league, like anything, anything when you guys started the season, like, you know, we probably should have done this or done that or just anything like that? Yeah, I mean, we had little stuff we've been able to work the kinks out of. I know the first couple years we were pretty lenient about letting teams reschedule games and 
the second season, we did a 14-game season, and teams were rescheduling five games a week, and it got to a point where we'd said yes to so many that we couldn't say no anymore, and right. it just took a toll on our lives where we had to base everything we were doing around our hockey league. Like all, and It's in the summer, so the season yeah. would start in – the first season started in July, but now we, we got to a point where we'd start in like May, and now the NBHL starts in April, but – you know, it was in the summer, so we'd have to base all our summer plans around our hockey league, and it became stressful. So it got to a point where we were like, okay, you know, no one can reschedule games anymore. And, I mean, we there was a ton of little hiccups like that. That was just one of the first ones that comes to mind. Yeah, no. So so what did you guys do um, in the future from there on out? If the team couldn't play, was it just a forfeit? I believe we made it that you were allowed one reschedule per season, and then – I think last or last year in 2019 for the EBHL, you weren't allowed to reschedule at all. If you couldn't make it, it was just a forfeit. Okay. Did that happen often or not? We actually, long? we didn't have a single forfeit. I don't think. So I guess this happens when you really enforce the rules. Then. Yeah. They're like, okay, we'll have to prioritize we'll to, you know, they start prioritizing the league as opposed to us having to work around their schedules. Right. Yeah. So before we get into NBHL, which I know it's, that's the newest, the biggest league <clears> right now, I just have one more question about the EBHL and, when you guys, you know, when we're on that rank in 2015, thinking about the league, were you guys creating the league? Was it really for fun or, you know, did, were you guys trying to make some money too? No, you know, we, we get a lot of, we got a lot of shit for that over the years. People thought we were, they're like, oh, you're just ripping off our friends. You're making money off our friends. Like we, we barely made any money off that league. We were, we were doing the bare minimum because we're providing jerseys. We're providing, you know, we had to get an insurance policy. We had to buy balls. Right. We didn't have a sponsor back then. So we had a we had a lot of things we had to cover, so we were making you know a couple bucks per player. We you know maybe take home maybe it was it was bare minimum every single year, and throughout all the years, people would probably be pretty shocked to hear the amounts that we made on that league. We've made it's 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 purely a fun like passion project. The EBHL was, and it's it's you know <clears throat> it was a lot of work for something that we just had fun doing more than anything. It was never for the money. Yeah, no, nah, I mean that's kind of what I fear too because. Some, like when you love something, it's so fun. Uh, you don't really need, you know, money for it. Just the pure joy of it's probably enough. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it was. We, it was, it was just, it was fun. It's, I mean, it's still fun to this day. It's just, it's, it doesn't even feel like work to me. It never has. Right. Yeah, no, nah, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's you know that's enough of the EBHL. It sounded like it was very successful and so successful that you guys formed a new league about it. So if you just want to introduce the NBHL and start talking about that, well, the the EBHL pretty much branched into the NBHL where right. we did four seasons of the EBHL on concrete, and then it was 2018, and we were like, we were we were kind of over it doing it on the concrete. We're like, we can't really grow from this anymore. So what do we do? At that point, Marlton built the brand new deck rinks, and in the off season between the 2018 and 2019 season, I came up with the format for the NBHL, and we decided let's move the EBHL to the new deck rinks in Marlton. Go all out on social media, you know, do the videos, do the highlights, do the graphics, try to grow our league as much as we can. And hopefully prove that we can create something like this that can grow into the National Ball Hockey League in 2020. And it's pretty much exactly how it happened. It was we every time we'd reach like one of our milestones, we'd be like going crazy in our group chat, like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Like we're really like 
we're really moving towards this. It's crazy. And what happened was in our 2019 season on the deck, when we did all our graphics and stuff, Corey Hirsch from USA Ball Hockey reached out to me and asked me, Gianni, and TJ if we could help USA Ball Hockey with some graphics and some video editing for the World Championship Tournament in, it was June of 2019. And we were like, sure, like we'll help. And we edited a bunch of videos for them. We did highlights and we did the graphics. And, you know, me and Corey got talking to ball hockey. And once our season ended, I reached back out to him. I was like, hey, Corey, I have this idea for a national ball hockey league. What do you think? And I sent him an outline and he was like, yeah, this, this, sounds, this sounds really cool. So we pretty much, you know, we, I had connections with other leagues. Corey had connections with other leagues. And we started just reaching out to everyone that we could to see if anyone would be interested. And within, we had a big PowerPoint presentation at some point in, it was, I want to say it was October of 2019, where I presented the NBHL to probably about 10 to 15 hockey rinks all throughout the country. And after that meeting, it was Chicago, Washington, D.C., uh, Massachusetts, based out of Fitchburg, Pittsburgh, and South Jersey all said, let's do it. Let's create the NBHL. And basically, I, 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 got, I got buddies from work that got me pretty informed on soccer. And it's kind of like the premier league to the, like the top soccer leagues in every country going to the champions league where each division, Chicago, Jersey, Pittsburgh, they have their own season, their own teams, you know, four to 10 teams, whoever they want to do it. And then all the champions will meet at an end of the year tournament to to crown the national champion. That's awesome. And where's that going to be at? This year, I mean, we were supposed to start in April. Obviously, we got pushed back because of COVID. It was going to be in D.C., Washington, D.C. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be there again. I've talked to Wayne Barrett, who runs the Washington, D.C. division, and he's all on board with doing it again there next year. So as of right now, that's the plan is to go back to D.C. or go to D.C. We we can't go back because we've never been there yet. Right. Right. You mentioned – you said there was like fifteen different ranks on like on the presentation. So were, were there there were actually people that said no to the league? Yeah, a lot of people were under the impression, like you know, it's kind of an outlandish idea. I guess no one's ever done anything to you know the way that we wanted to do it for the sport of ball hockey before. So there was mm-hmm. a couple areas that were like, yeah, let's you know, we want if it works, we'll we'll work towards it. And there was other areas that had only four on four leagues and didn't have five on five leagues. We're like, well, you okay. know, if this starts to work, we'll try to make a five on five league to become a part of this. I mean, I'm sure some of those. I think that it's a great idea, and it, I don't see why it would fail. So I'm sure some of those teams are gonna be mad they didn't hop in, you know, from the start. Yeah, I mean, we've we've been very open with everyone and just said, hey, if you change your mind, we will make space for you. We'll make it work somehow one way or another, you know. At right. this point, we just want to include everyone and, you know, get as many people involved as we possibly can because, you know, the more people involved, the more people hear about it, the more it's going to grow. Absolutely. And uh, I know we mentioned – or not mentioned, but we were explaining ball hockey in the beginning, and it sounds like the areas that you have in the league are the most popular ones. You know, <clears> growing <throat> up, we played in Pittsburgh, Massachusetts, and – uh I know there's some tournaments in Chicago and DC. What other what other areas um, you know would you guys look to include in the NBHL? Well, so those five areas, uh, Chicago, DC, Pittsburgh, Jersey, Massachusetts, were the ones that said yes for the first season. 
And since the word has gotten out, more areas have expressed interest. I know that Texas is forming a division for our 2021 season, which will be starting in April. Mm-hmm. And we've been in talks with uh, North Carolina. They look like they they said that they were, then they said that they're not going to be. And as of now, they're not going to be involved, but they're going to work towards it and try to hopefully get in for 2022. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned it to a couple other areas. Um, I've talked to Portland, Oregon. Um, and there's a bunch of other leagues areas that we want to reach out to that we have contacts with that we're hoping that we can get more involved as we get closer to the season starting. Right. I would never would have assumed Texas though. How big is it down there? Do you know? So they're they're They've got some leagues that are starting to grow. There's Texas ball hockey, which is based out of Austin. And then there's a DFW or Dallas Fort Worth street hockey, which are the two biggest programs out there. And they've had men's leagues running for a little while now. And I believe there's a league in Houston, and there's one other one. It's the city slipping my mind right now. But mm-hmm. basically what they want to do is run some type of almost travel season where you know, they're not playing every week. They're playing once every like month and a half. They meet for a weekend. All the teams play each other. They all knock out four games, and then mm-hmm. that's how their season's going to go just because – I don't know that they have the numbers individually at each rink, right? but the rinks have expressed interest in working together to create a, just an entire Texas division. So we're still working out exactly how that's going to happen. But as of right now, Texas has said that they're in. I know Dallas-Fort Worth has been promoting their team. One of their teams is going to be called the Marksmen. They've been putting it on social media. They just posted about that the other day. So yeah, it's cool. They're, they, they're very excited. They want to be involved. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's it's crazy to see how far this sport has come, even just since we were playing, like, you know, cadets and freshmen. Like I said, I never would have expected a team, uh, a state like Texas to, to be growing the game. Yeah, me either. I mean, what USA ball hockey's done in the past year or two is pretty phenomenal. They, they've, they've got a lot going on that's really created a lot of visibility with the sport. Their social media presence is really good and you know, they're creating uh, ref clinics and coaching clinics and certification clinics to, you know, build a program similar to USA hockey, USA ice hockey. And, you know, the goal of the sport right now is to get into the Olympics and, you know, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a lot of work, but USA ball hockey has done a ton of work to really get people on board with this sport and try to get towards that goal. Yeah. I've, I sure hope I'm around to see that. I mean, me and you might be too old to play at that time, but just go watch TV be incredible. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I think it. I don't think it'll be happening in my playing days. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I'm you know I'm not getting my hopes up. But I do I do think that someday it will happen. It's just you know it's a matter of when, not if. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, the NBHL sounds great. I want to. Can you just explain the exact breakdown? Like how many teams are you guys have and how many games? Like in your own league specifically. So in our Eve Sham division, we would have had 10 teams for the past season. Each team would have played nine games, played each team one time. Season would have started in April. Regular season would have ended in June. Playoffs would have lasted the month of July. Champion crown probably the first week of August. And then in mid-September would have been the Milek Cup, which is the championship tournament based out of Washington, D.C. And yeah, we had 10 teams in Jersey. Massachusetts had eight at the time of the season starting. A ninth team has hopped in for next year already. Pittsburgh 
would have had 10 teams. And what did DC had eight teams? Oh, wait, you know what, Chris? I just lied to you. We had eight teams in, in Jersey, not 10. We had eight. Okay. But it still would have been nine game season. But regardless, right. between the first, between DC, Pittsburgh, um, Massachusetts, and Jersey, we had like around 35 teams ready to go. Chicago had was up in the air at the time because of COVID was just starting. They were having trouble getting teams together. So we're expecting Chicago to hopefully have four to six for next season. Right. And, um, you know, Texas will get what they can get. I'm hoping they can pull at least four teams out of there. And, yeah, I mean, if we can get over 40 teams for next year, that would be, you know, just something incredible. And I, th- I think I think it's a very good shot that we can do that. Yeah, I think that's incredible. Is your guys' plan um... – to kind of stay up on social media like you are with the EBHL, you know, top 10 plays and standings and all that stuff? Yeah, we, we already have our social media calendar formed for next year, how we're going to be posting our video highlights and our graphics. But, yeah, every single game will get recorded on video. We'll have, you know, post-game graphics, scheduling updates, standings. Everything will be on a calendar every single week. You can expect the same post at the same time. And... Then, you know, at the end of the week, right before the next week's games, we'll post a top 10 plays of the week. And, we, you know, once we go through all the games, we add them together and we kind of, you know, me, Gianni, and TJ, I'll put our heads together and be like, all right, here's the top 10 plays. And we'll throw that out every single week. But, yeah, every single game will have highlights the whole season. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, this league sounds great. And I hope to maybe some of my listeners out there, maybe maybe uh, you guys can join the league or at least just follow on Instagram because as a follower myself, it is uh, it's very entertaining to always see those top 10 plays. and update standing so everyone should look forward to that yeah i mean that's we pretty much our, our our goal is just to run the league through social media so yeah if you follow us on our instagram it's at national ball hockey league uh our facebook page or um, our twitter's um at nbhl underscore ball hockey you'll find you know all the content you could possibly want all right, that's perfect. And uh, to all my listeners, I hope you guys do give it a follow because, like I said, I'm a follow myself. Very entertaining to watch. Uh, this has been a very, very good conversation, and I really appreciate you hopping on the podcast, man. Yeah, Chris, I appreciate you having me on, man. I love what you're doing. I've listened to you know all your podcasts so far. They're very informative, very interesting, and uh, I'll definitely be on board for the rest of them. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. And to all my listeners out there, as you guys know, Episodes drop every other Wednesday, just like I said in the beginning of the episode, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, anywhere else you guys hear your podcast. So thanks, guys.